0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Beautiful Behavior podcast. I am your host, Diane Sorensen, certified life coach, hypnotherapy practitioner, mother, grandmother, and human fascinated with behavior and how to live our best life. My goal is to offer you another perspective, to see behavior in ourselves, our children, and others from another angle. This podcast is for anyone who wants to feel more connected in their relationships. It's for anyone who feels the pull for something more. It's for parents and those who are not. This podcast is for anyone who wants to take a deeper look. Because this is where we talk about breaking generational patterns and outdated cultural beliefs, cultivating deeper connections in our life and leading our life with more confidence and clarity. And I believe that's when beautiful behavior comes into focus. You can learn more about my process, me, and the three different ways in which beautiful behavior could come into focus for you at my website at diane.sorensen.net. That's D-I-A-N-E-S-O-R-E-N-S-E-N.net. Okay, listeners, let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Before, getting to int- Before diving into today's episode, I want to invite you all to this month's Beautiful Behavior Defined Lunch and Learn. Uh, it is happening on May 18th this month um, at 12 o'clock Central. So here is where we are going to, this month the topic is cultivating more compassion in our lives, and we'll talk about what is getting in the way of that. So I've had, and I'm doing this because I've had a lot of people asking me, and um, in, in asking in two different ways. One of the questions is, uh, why can't I manage my anger? You know, why am I always yelling, and I can't seem to stop um you know why can't why am I so angry um and the other version of that question is, I don't feel like I have much compassion. It's like I react and and I just don't have much reaction. I just want people to get over it um so really that's kind of the same question asked in two different ways. And so that's what we're going to talk about this month um, at the Lunch and Learn. So if you haven't gotten signed up, uh, get signed up. Uh, If you can't make it live, there is a recording. So um, the, the link to register for that is in the show notes. Also, like I said, I've, I'm listening to you and bringing you content that um, is going to provide value to you. So if you have questions, if you want a topic for me to talk about here on the podcast or bring it to the Beautiful Behavior Defined Lunch and Learn, uh, let me know. Uh, DM me. Um, You can private message me, direct message me. Uh, my Facebook and Instagram handles are in the show notes. I would love to hear from you. Okay, let's get into today's episode. And I am recording this episode on the weekend of Mother's Day. And so I want to give a shout out to all the mothers out there and maybe really kind of dedicate this uh, episode to mothers. And being a mother, being a parent, is vulnerable. It is a very vulnerable position. Because we live in a culture where... You know, the belief is parents are to control their children or a well-behaved child equals a good mother, equals a good parent. And so what culture is asking us to do is the impossible in order to be accepted as good because controlling another person is not possible, let alone a young child. And we think it's possible because they are young children. And so what happens is we power over them and we make them be, or we try to get them to be who we need them to be in order to be seen as a good mother. And the problem with that is that it fractures the relationship. What happens is we protect our goodness we protect how we are going to be per- perceived over the relationship we have with our child because we are conditioned to these outdated beliefs these are out, that's an outdated belief system and so we want to bring awareness Around these outdated beliefs and expectations, so that we can start to shift that trajectory. Because oftentimes, unknowingly or unconsciously, we can pass on, and we do, we pass on. Uh, patterns, patterns of behavior that we have internalized from our parents, which they have internalized from their parents and they internalize from their parents and so on and so forth. Uh, and it it gets passed down and maybe it looks a little different in each generation, but the core of the pattern... Is passed on. So a few weeks ago, I uh, was I participated in a speaker slam event, and I can't remember which episode it was in, but um, there was an episode maybe a month ago that I did. Uh, talking about that I was going to go to Speaker Slam and participate in this speaking event um, and why I was doing that. So that was the episode of Reclaiming My Voice. And now that I've had the experience, uh, I wanted to share what I've learned from that, what I learned from that whole journey. And my speech was about... Passing how generational patterns get passed on from generation to generation. And I use my own personal story to show how this can happen. And then I share my wake up call to where I. S- started it started be it was brought to my awareness that something needed to change and so I did the work and so I know from experience that we can shift these generational patterns from a trajectory of passing of passing on the generational trauma to shifting to pass, to to healing and and shifting that trajectory to now generational healing. So this episode is very personal to me and vulnerable. And what I've learned about vulnerability is that you know most of us i think have grew up around a message or some version of vulnerability being a weakness and we are trained essentially to hide what we perceive as our weaknesses so you know some version of don't be emotional uh you know it sends us the message that emotions are a weakness, and you know I always notice when you know I've noticed it in women anyway when um we do show emotion we do start are sharing something and it brings up emotion, we right away apologize for it, so we're we've learned to apologize for having emotion for for you know having a moment of vulnerability you know and we hide other things about us that we think if other people saw this in me they wouldn't like me right you know we learn all kinds of things not to be right don't be lazy don't be Selfish, don't be, you know, whatever it is. You know, those are the things that we perceive as our weaknesses, as things that um, are not good enough. And so we build coping skills around hiding those parts of us and having this, you know, belief That I'm not good enough. And then we get into this pattern of trying to prove ourselves through various ways. We all have our own uh, coping skills. We all have our own way of proving ourselves to the world that we are good enough. It might be through proving ourselves, through higher education, job titles, money, whatever that is to prove to the world, you know, I am good enough, I am likable, I am lovable. Accept me. You know, it might be how much can I do for others, right? Helping is a way to prove ourselves to to gain validation, really is what it's all about. Um And what happens then is that we shut off vulnerability. And what that could sound like, what it sounded like for me, is I'm not going to do anything that I'm not really good at. In other words, I am not willing to take risk to be judged as not good enough. So I'm going to find all the things that I can perfect and be the best at and that's the path I'm going to take. And what I what I know from that is that it keeps you very small and very contained. So in one way or another, we tend to use most of us tend to use appearances as a way to be validated and accepted, whether we're appearing smart or appearing, you know, whatever it is, appearing to have money, appearing to have um, every, you know, what it, appearing to have our life all together. And I think oftentimes if we look put together on the outside, we tend to, you know, if somebody looks put together on the outside, we tend to think their whole life is put together. They have it all together in every area of their life. We tend to think that if somebody is doing well in one area of their life, they're doing well in all areas of their life right? If somebody has, I don't know, say degrees, um, then we think, oh, they have their whole life, everything. (laughs) Then we somehow we think every area of their life they have figured out because, I don't know, they have a PhD. And they might be really doing really well in that area of whatever their PhD is. It doesn't mean they have every area of their life figured out, right? All, all life is, is relationships, all kinds of relationships. And just because you have a relationship figured out with, I don't know, with education and whatever this area is, um, doesn't mean that all areas are figured out. Doesn't mean your relationship with your partners figured out doesn't mean relationships with your parents are figured out or with your children or with food or money or whatever um, and so what we tend to do is highlight what it is that we can appear good at and uh Show that as proof that I'm good enough. And then we go around with this fear of being found out, right? There's this underlying fear of, oh, if people find this out about me or that about me, or, um, and, and then oftentimes we discount our accomplishments. Like, we've got this, you know, PhD. I'm not sure how I got it. You know, I just kind of fooled my way through. And like, we somehow tricked the people who were, you know, uh, giving the uh, degree. (laughs) Uh, And we discount it. And then again, we go around like, in fear that people are going to find out that I'm actually really not this good. So vulnerability is really um, being willing to look at all of those things and really owning all of ourself and being willing to uh, show up imperfectly, um, embrace the messiness of life in that you're not going to be perfect, Uh, but being willing to take the risk of learning something new that you do want to improve on. And that's why we often struggle so much with change, because change is vulnerable. We haven't perfected this change. And so many of us, I think, hide behind perfection. And wanting, you know, we we really, it's and and this hiding ourselves is really about shame. And I know we don't talk much about shame, but that is really what I've been talking about here. The opposite of vulnerability and showing up authentically as who we are, which, you know, that's a whole nother thing, uh, you know, authenticity. And who am I authentically? We have... Gotten so attached to our armor, to our, you know, how I'm going to show up in the world to be accepted, that we don't, we've gotten lost and disconnected from the deeper uh, person that we are, our our deeper knowing, our deeper wisdom. Um, we've become disconnected with our emotional selves. Because again, we learned that don't be emotional. So in other words, don't be yourself. You know, we have to create really a false self to survive in in our environment um, as children, but as adults we, you know, have become attached to that. And what happens is it starts to sabotage us. So this is probably a good segue into how I use my personal story to show how this can happen. I kind of show, talk about my mother and how my mother really mothered came from a place of shame. It, she was all about appearances You know, and really that's a cultural thing hiding ourselves behind what we think culture wants us to be. And so we become these cultural beings rather than natural beings. And I did the same thing. I parented from a place of shame, too, of a place of not good enough, of a place of. I'm going to prove, you know, now, before I had to prove I was a good person, now I have to prove I'm a good mother. And that means controlling children, which has um, a cost to it. And I'm going to share the story that I um, shared at the speaker slam it was a chilly south dakota morning we were dressed in our sunday best i was wearing my new green spring dress with the white collar i looked impeccable but i dreaded coming to church because that meant my mother would be on edge and like a dark shadow hovering over me as i walked down the church aisle i could feel the eyes watching judging. I had knots in my stomach and the palms of my hands were wet with sweat as my mom sat down beside me. My sister leaned over and whispered something in my ear and we both giggled, cutting that tension. But just then, I felt my mother's nails digging into me as she squeezed my arm and I trembled inside. Terrified, we both sat still and quiet, obedient. This grooming started at a very young age, at home with church practice. I would sit frozen in silence as my mother hissed, shh, don't you dare speak, don't you move a muscle. And if we did, my mother would become the big dark shadow, yelling, screaming, grabbing, squeezing, whatever it took to get us, to stay silent. Growing up, I was terrified to speak. Fear was a constant companion. I was labeled as shy, but church practice became life practice. And this is where I learned that the world would judge me. This is where I learned to perform. It didn't matter who I was, as long as I performed to the delight of others especially my mother. And in contrast, there were times I would remain silent in my fear. But as soon as we were behind closed doors, the dark shadow would appear. What is wrong with you? You need to talk to people when they talk to you. Don't just stand there. Speak up. They're going to think you're retarded. And those words were etched in my mind. They're going To think you're retarded. Okay, got it. Don't look stupid. Don't sound stupid. Don't act stupid. Don't be stupid. So I became a performer. My costume consisted of the right hair, the right makeup, the right name brand clothing, and the right body, thin I performed, and I gained approval. And then I had kids. What the hell? What are these kids doing, running around here with all of their imperfections showing? Oh, my God. No, no, no. This will not do. And just like that, unknowingly, unwittingly, I became their big dark shadow, yelling, screaming, grabbing, threatening, taking their stuff away, whatever it took to get them to be who I needed them to be, to be seen as a good mother. And and we looked from the outside. We looked like the perfect family. And that came at a big price. It took a while for the words to sink in. Your daughter, she's cutting herself. I couldn't wrap my mind around it. I couldn't understand it. I was blind to the cry for help. But the truth is I had been doing the same thing on the inside for years. Cutting myself down, criticizing and judging myself in my head, calling myself names, starving and depleting myself to please perform and gain the approval of others, and then numbing it all with alcohol. My cuts were on the inside. Her body could no longer contain the pain of generations past. It was showing itself, our truth. Her pain, my pain, my mother's pain, her mother's pain, and all the mothers before that. Her cuts revealed in plain sight the generational trauma. My daughter, the greatest blessing of my life brought me to my knees, cracked me open, and allowed me to uncover what I had refused to look at. That scared little girl who still lived within, to accept her, to nurture her, to love her. You see, we are born into and raised a certain way, groomed a certain way, conditioned a certain way, and we get trapped in that unless, against all odds, we can break through and be who we are truly meant to be beyond the fear, trusting in ourselves ourselves and turning our pain into our power. So I share this story to bring awareness around how generational patterns unknowingly, unwittingly, unconsciously get past. To another generation. And I share this because I wanted to show how it looked from a child's eyes, through looking through a child's lens and looking through a mother's lens. Because essentially, mothering or parenting through how we should do it, how or how we shouldn't do it, or uh, how it's supposed to be. All the shoulds, shouldn'ts, and supposed tos is all about shame. It says, I need to do this the right way in order to be accepted, because if I don't do it the right way, I'm not good enough. And the I'm not good enough is shame. I know we so many of us don't resonate with the word shame because we don't really talk about it. But it is what it is. Um, we do resonate with I'm not good enough. But that is the shame. And it's probably all we can remember knowing. And that's why... We don't resonate with it because we don't have the. Maybe we don't ha- necessarily have the contrast of not shame. So it's it's if it's all we know, um. Sometimes in, you know in our culture we are bathed in shame. I mean, just the two beliefs that I uh, mentioned at the beginning of this episode the to be a good mother you have to have you know to a well-behaved child equals a good mother and parents are to control their children that creates shame that says there is a right way to do this and a wrong way to do this and if you don't do it the right way you're not good enough right that's the message that it sends And when we try to get our children to be a certain way so we are good enough, that is how we pass this on. And I share this because there is another way. We can bring awareness around the hurtful patterns that we have been conditioned to and have the willingness to learn and practice new, more helpful patterns. And it's not about getting anyone else to do anything different. It's not about getting other people to change. It's about doing our own work to heal the wounds, the, the patterning that were handed to us. And we can shift this trajectory, this generational trauma, to generational healing. And to do that, we need to be willing to face our fears, to open ourselves up to new things, new possibility, new ways, new practices, new habits, new perspectives. Change is vulnerable. Learning new things is vulnerable. And I think that's why we often want others to change rather than looking at us because that is scary to look to take a really good look at yourself because i think our biggest fear is that we're going to find out we indeed are not good enough as our you know limiting belief has us believing and it's not true we are all innately worthy because what not good enough is means is i'm not worthy i'm not deserving but what vulnerability has done for me being willing to you know learn new things and just Acknowledge and notice where my fears are and facing those fears um, has brought so much healing in my life. So growing up, I was so scared to use my voice, right? I was really confused around my voice. I'd get in trouble for not speaking when I was supposed to speak and, you know, uh, in trouble for speaking when, you know, the Delta Realm didn't want me to speak. Um, so I just quit speaking, basically. Um, I was terrified of my voice. And so I intentionally put myself in Speaker Slam for the purpose of reclaiming my voice. And facing that fear of speaking in public and being vulnerable. And what I got from it was so much more than I ever anticipated. But I had to go through the fear. I, again and again through this journey. So I signed up in January and I did the event April 25th. And between that time, I had to recommit over and over and over again to doing this. Because my brain knew this was not the pattern, that we don't be vulnerable. And my brain, you know, kept telling me, shut this down. This is not what we do. And I kept going. I kept you know, some, I'd get overwhelmed. I would, um, recognize that. And what I had to do was focus just on the next step. What is the next step that I need to do to prepare for this? What is the one thing I need to do right now? And that's what I would do. And I remember thinking, um, People would say, How are you feeling? And I, say, I would say, vulnerable, which really was kind of a new word coming up or a new feeling. Um, usually I resonated with fear, but I didn't really resonate with vulnerability because I had shut that off. You know, I wasn't going to be vulnerable, I wasn't going to do anything that I wasn't really good at. Uh, and so I was feeling this feeling of vulnerability, of being exposed. Um, And it was scary, you know, because in the past, my voice got me in trouble. That's how I perceived it. You know, my voice was constantly getting me in trouble. So I had this belief, this unconscious limiting belief that if I used my voice and I spoke, uh, people were going to uh, reject me or, you know, they were going to be disgusted by me or, um, you know, I was going to sound stupid, you know, whatever that was, I believed that my voice, I would end up feeling diminished and humiliated if I used my voice. That was the message I got from my experiences, from, you know, I made my mother's behavior mean something about me as a child. And I carried those beliefs with me into adulthood. And it was uh, it was limiting me in what I could do in the world and who I wanted to be and how I wanted to show up. So I did this event and I had a meltdown like, a few hours before the event, I was crying. My brain was just like pleading with me. This is not the pattern. We do not go and speak in front of people. Um, and so the this self-doubt, this critical voice, all these things were showing up. And I talked to them. I have been practicing a self-compassion practice where I talk to all of these different emotions or parts of me that rise up when, you know, I'm about to do something out of my comfort zone or something new. So I talked to the self-doubt. Hello, self-doubt. Welcome. I feel you right in my gut or right in my chest. can't remember exactly where it was at, at that moment. Um, but yeah, I just talked to it and said, I see you. You're so scared. Take my hand. We'll get through this together. I know this is something we haven't done before. And I am here. I am the grown up in the room. Take my hand and breathe with me self-doubt. You're safe. You're safe. I did the same thing for the critical voice, right? Hello, critic. I hear you. And I'm not going to push you away or try and get rid of you. I see you. I see how scared you are. Self-doubt is here too. And we're going to get through this together. And what kind of started to come up from there was trust. That trust is here too. And you can take trust's hand And we're going to all do this together. (laughs) So I can just envision, you know, imagine the critical voice and what the critical voice looks like and self-doubt what that looks like and trust and that we're all holding hands and we're all going to do this together. And another thing that came up is my inner child. You know, we all have all of these parts of ourselves that you know we grow and you know physically we grow out of our child body but all of the memories all of the emotion that has have gone unprocessed are still within us and so that inner child that little terrified child is still there. And so I talked to her and I've done a lot of inner child healing. Um, a lot of that is done, done through hypnotherapy. Um, and now I, as many of you know, I, um, am now a hypnotherapy practitioner. Um, But my inner child showed up and I just told, let her know that, you know what? This is your time to be seen. And my inner adolescent also showed up, which I have, really not that long ago, have come in touch, reconnected to my adolescent self. And my adolescent self i have discovered was feeling alone and depressed and she uh she created a persona a false self to be able to uh be out in the world and to you know, uh, engage in the world in a way where she felt safe enough to do so. So she stuffed down that depression, that loneliness, all of those feelings. She stuffed those far, far down and created her cute, thin, bubbly self so that she could go out in the world and engage. Because she knew that this shyness, this not being able to talk to people was not working for her any longer. And she needed to do something different. And so she created this persona of pleasing, perfecting, um you know how she appeared to others and always always worried about what people were thinking she had she perfected this armor of confidence on the outside but on the inside always worried about what were other people thinking so as i was having this meltdown before speaker slam I was telling her, this is your time to be heard. And lastly, but not least, uh, my young mother self showed up. And my young mother self um, is full of shame, full of shame. And I said to her, this is your time to be understood. And what was really happening is through this process of telling my own story, and I hired a coach to help me um, bring this story out of me. I wouldn't have been able to do this by myself. And what it did for me was it helped me to connect with and understand All of these parts of me and all of these phases in my life, how terrified that little girl was and how lonely um, that adolescent was and how as a mother, I felt disappointed and full of shame for the mothering I did versus the mother I wanted to be. And so it helped me to see, hear, and understand myself, and that creates compassion. And when we have, comp- when I have, comp- when we have compassion for ourselves, that's what we can offer to other people. We have a better understanding of others when we understand ourselves. We can understand others at a deeper level. And to take ownership, I took ownership of all of these phases of my life. It wasn't about blaming anyone else. It wasn't about blaming myself. It was about understanding it and taking ownership and deciding where do I want to go from here. And where I want to go is healing. And shifting the trajectory of future generations. And what this also brought, and this did bring healing. And I, before I did Speaker Slam, I shared this with my children, having no idea really how they were going to react to it. And... It was very healing for them. Uh, it has opened up more conversation. Um, it has helped them to understand their own experiences. And somebody asked me once, um, just not too long ago, how has your um, relationship with your children shifted through all of this um personal work, and what 's shifted is one there is no more drama, yeah, we have challenges we 're always going to have challenges that 's what life is um, you know it, it's it 's messy um, we don 't always agree. And but here's the difference: we don't have drama because I choose not to engage in the drama roles. And here's the other shift: that it has shifted from generational trauma to healing our own perceptions, and our own traumas uh, individually and creating authentic connections between us. And when I, and when, well, when each of us put out, when each of us do our own healing work, we put out an energy of healing, which impacts other people in a healing way and then they go and impact others in a healing way. So so in other words, rather than acting from a place of trauma, we can shift and act through a place of healing and that's impactful. And I think sharing our stories Uh, allow other people, give other people permission to share theirs. And that's also what I learned, that I don't have to be perfect to make an impact, that we can just be ourselves imperfectly and make a bigger impact because it comes from a place of being genuine, which, again, creates connection and trust I had people reaching out to me saying, wow, that was really powerful. And here's my story, um, which, you know, is uh, similar in some ways, but different, but the core of it is the same, right? The core of it is the not enoughness, the trying to keep up appearances, and so I I did mess up in parts of that speech. I did not do it perfectly. Um and of course my brain glabbed onto that and ruminated on that right after until I could, you know, bring some awareness around that, which, you know, was the next day, um, where I realized, oh, I am circling around the things I didn't do instead of the things I did do. And so I was able to shift that then and focus on what did I do? I had a meltdown. I coached myself through that. I talked myself through that and I got up on that stage and I did that speech. I told my story. I remembered most of it and the parts I did remember I delivered well uh, and I connected, I made connections. And my biggest win, again, was a, it allowed my daughters to see themselves through my story. So the power of vulnerability really is connection, freedom, fun. I've had so much more fun when I haven't had to try and perfect everything and hide myself. But most of all, vulnerability has enhanced all of my relationships. And so following, recognizing what it is that you're fearing and following that fear rather than, than feeling fear and going, oh, I need to go back over here where I'm more comfortable. It's really about allowing yourself to feel emotionally uncomfortable and connecting with those deeper parts of ourselves. Um, All right. I know this episode went long. If you're still with me, thank you so much for listening. This is a vulnerable episode for me. Um, All right. I will see you all back here next week. And remember to, if you haven't registered for the Lunch and Learn and you're interested in that, the link is in the show notes and I would be thrilled to see you. on the 18th. Thank you for tuning in to the Beautiful Behavior podcast. If you enjoyed today's show or previous shows, I would so appreciate you subscribing and leaving a review. I am so grateful for all of you listeners who are joining me here for these conversations because I believe it's through these type of conversations that we start to shift the paradigm creating a more loving and compassionate world. I hope you will join me here each week as we discover new ways to show up in our lives and create a bigger impact. And if you are ready to take this to the next level, head on over to my website at diane.sorensen.net. Again, that's D-I-A-N-E-S-O-R-E-N-S-E-N.net. Get on my calendar and see how you can be supported and if we're a good fit so that you can get out of survival and into thrival. Change is possible and I've got you.